It is the People Show. Josh Elliott Wolf, Israel Fair. We are reacting to the breaking news of the Bo Horvat trade. You can text in your take 650-650 Dunbar Lumber text line. This hour is brought to you by Avenue Machinery and Douglas Lake Equipment. Your Kubota All-Star team, avenuemachinery.ca, douglaslakeequipment.com. ESPN's Greg Wyshynski is going to join us in moments. We're going to – what will we talk to him about, you think? <laughs> Let me just go down the list here of things. <laughs> uh, oh, uh, I think the Bo Horvat trade. Oh, okay, we're going to talk about the Bo Horvat trade. Um, we do get a lot of texts, a lot of people on, on either side of this saying, Hey, Atu Ratu is like a great prospect. Then you're getting a pick and Beauvillier, I think still has the enough upside to like, he, he fits in the age range they're looking for. But again, I do think a big part of it is just balancing the cap and the Canucks getting at least a player with some upside left. Yeah. I don't think that that particular piece is is a long-term a long-term look for the for the franchise if he comes in and, and pops then I, maybe they make some things work but it's it's the pick it's the prospect and it's i think maybe even the bigger picture moving on from the situation that's been dragging on since training camp before training camp and starting to get to the major surgery that the jim rutherford talked about just a few days ago definitely uh let's welcome in espn's greg wasinski to talk more about this uh greg how are you i told lamarillo to wait until i was done with my run and i had to pick up my dog from daycare this is this is unacceptable <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> Way to go, Lou. Uh, what, are your, what are your initial thoughts on, uh, on the trade? Well, from the Islanders' side, it, it's, it's an obvious play to get Matt Barzell, that second star player mm-hmm. that the, the lineup lacked. It, it's been one of the huge deficiencies in the Islanders under Lamarillo. Uh, you know, I think Barzell, honestly, is a, is a better complementary star than the guy running the show. I kind of feel the same way about Bo, to be honest with you. But maybe combined, if they do get him under contract long-term and then obviously in the short term for the rest of the season, the, the, the lineup kind of makes a little bit more sense than it does now. Uh, Bolivier is, I, you know, he's just he's fine. I mean, like, this season's been nightmarish for him from a finishing perspective. Um, I, I still think he's a player that has never really figured out the defensive side of the game to a satisfactory level. Um, you know, Roddy's going to be the real key of this thing and, and whether or not, well, I mean, the real key might be signing Horvat long-term, but you know, that's a, that's a real good prospect, man. <laughs> like not, not like super top tier, let's pencil in first line, but a real solid one um, that the Canucks are getting in this deal. And then obviously any first rounder that was going to move uh, for the 2023 draft was going to be lottery protected. So I don't think mm-hmm. we have to really stress too much on that. I mean, that's just going to be how it is. There's, there's a reason why only what well, now two teams uh, in the NHL have uh, traded their 2023 first rounders. Uh, it's the Islanders and the Florida Panthers so far, because this de- this draft is that deep. So, um, you know, overall it's, it's an interesting one. I'm, I'm not entirely sure how to work out for either of them, but, uh, but the, the fact of the matter is that the Islanders did what you should do at the trade deadline, which is to not, make a deal at the trade deadline, get get ahead of the game as much as you can. And they made an offer that obviously Vancouver couldn't say no to. Now that the the trade has been made and, and Horvat's gone uh, and it's been you know, weeks, months of speculation, uh, it reached the point 
a couple of months ago where it was pretty certain he was going to get moved. There were some rumblings over the last few weeks that maybe they could revisit, although those didn't seem particularly confident. Uh, do you think that, and the Canucks have certainly issues uh, that go beyond just the handling of, of this trade and this situation, but how do you think that this this move will, will uh, be perceived around the league? Well, I think the perception was that he, he was going to get traded. I mean, it was just a matter of where, and, and, and obviously there was going to be a lot of teams that were going to be in the Bull Horvat business, um, you know, many of them probably hoping to get that invitation to speak to his representation before anteing up the kind of package the Islanders did. Um, you know, it remains to be seen what kind of intel they have on a possible extension that may have influenced this deal. We, we may not know because, you know, it's the kind of conversation we're not privy to, wink, wink. Uh, but, uh, but, uh, there is definitely a market for him, just like there will be a market for him this summer if he does hit, uh, unrestricted free agency. Uh, but from a league perspective, I mean, this is kind of, I think what everybody expected to happen, you know, uh, the, the, the tip for this Horvat situation, I think came from Jimmy Rutherford a few weeks ago when he made it pretty clear that the offer they had on the table for Bo was an offer based on everything he had done prior to this season. And then that offer became absolutely immaterial based on what he had done this season offensively, finishing like he had never finished before uh, and, and just becoming an elite sniper in this league for this season. Uh, it, it redid the math. It redid the economics. It, it made bringing him back uh, unless he was going to take some level of discount pretty untenable for this team. So the trade was something I think a lot of us expected. The trade was, and I'm looking through our text line right now, uh, we're getting, it's kind of divided on people just uh, trashing the return or being very hopeful about the return. Did you, is this what you expected to see, like value-wise, coming back to the Canucks in a Horvat trade? Well, well, let's strip out the names for a second, okay? Top six forward, all right, NHL proven, mm-hmm. and, and somebody who in the past has, has proven himself to be a really effective player, I mean, a top five scorer for his team, that kind of guy. Uh, a, a franchise's top five prospect, maybe even top three. And again, that's depends on how you approach your uh, your evaluation of the Islanders system. But there's no question that that's what they've given up here. And then a conditional first rounder, which you know is is lottery protected for a deep draft. But if the Islanders fall apart, or if you know Horvath's not even there next season. Uh, could be a pretty a pretty good pick if 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 uh, if this team is is cooked. So, you know, stripping away the names and and looking at it from that perspective, that's as good as you're going to get for for Bo Horvat, knowing that he is not going to return for the Canucks, knowing that he is a re- an unrestricted free agent this summer, and knowing that the player that he is this year has not been the player that he's been in previous years, which kind of adds an element of risk for the acquiring team. You're very familiar with uh, Lou Lamorello's uh, long track record as uh, someone <laughs> running uh, an NHL franchise. Uh, the the Islanders, I guess, over the last couple of years have stagnated a little bit. Uh, they were reportedly in on JT Miller at the draft, and then that fell apart. Now they go for another Canucks forward who can score goals and uh, went on play a bit of a two-way game. Uh, what's what's the you think the long term? for the Islanders in terms of trying to contend with the, the top teams in the East, where there's at least right now quite a bit of separation between the best teams in that conference and, and where the Islanders are right now. <laughs> well, first off, do, do we remember why the JT Miller trade allegedly fell apart? 
It's because yes. it got discussed in public, yeah. right? Which is not not lose mo. No. So I ask you, how many times did you hear the Islanders linked to Bo Horvat? That'd be zero, zero none times, and that's why that's why we are in where we are today. I mean, Lou is a, it's one of the more intriguing and interesting characters in the history of hockey for a reason, and it's not just because he's a stickler for keeping negotiations under wraps. It's also because he has shown going all the way back to the days of the Devils when he was trading for guys like, you know, Alexander McGillney and Doug Gilmore. Like he is he is a man who knows how to make a bold trade, whether or not it, it, it'll ultimately help his team. He, he's he's a he's a risk taker. Um, what the Islanders are, though, is is a team that has a lot of guys under contract for significant years that are kind of older, like maybe in prime, slightly past prime, um, they're a team that was definitely built for the now. And so the, the question that Lou's had to answer through his actions is, were the Islanders teams that made the conference final in consecutive seasons during the pandemic the team that he believes they actually are, a team that is one round win away from playing for a Stanley Cup, or is the team that was you know, plummeting down the standings until Barry Trotz left last season what the Islanders actually are? And so far this season, I think it's been the latter. But Lou, obviously, with this acquisition, believes it's the former. And, and maybe, you know, again, this is we got to look beyond this year with Horvath because he's a free agent. Is, is he going to stick around? Is he going to be that complimentary guy for Barzell that they've been looking for? There's a lot of sort of ancillary stuff to answer. But right now, the primary question we have an answer for, which is that Lou Lamarillo believes that this can be a playoff team. And this is a hyper-aggressive move to prove that to be the case. Hey, Wish, we really appreciate the time. Have a good one. Anytime. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Wish. No worries. That is Greg Wyshynski of ESPN uh, talking about the Bo Horvat trade. I'm going to read through it again. So Bo Horvat traded to the New York Islanders for Anthony Beauvillier, Atu Ratu, and a conditional 2023 first-round pick. So the exact conditions have been reported. It is top 12 protected this year. And if that Islanders pick ends up being in the top 12, it slides to an unprotected first next year. Okay. So very interesting. As we were talking about right before the the trade was made. We are really smart. If if you can get that 2024 pick, uh, and look, the Islanders are, they're not terrible. They're not great so far this year. So that remains to be seen. They're adding a player like Horvat because they're, they're looking to win a little bit more down the stretch with maybe some idea. Of, of a long-term future uh, that they're, they're trying to build from and taking advantage of getting uh, to, to acquire a player before free agency, not having to wait and compete with other teams uh, starting that process early. There's obviously value in that, but the value coming back the Canucks way, uh, look, Scott Wheeler uh, has just tweeted out that uh, Atu Ratu was his number one prospect uh, for the Islanders. Also, like for context, the Islanders were number 27 yeah. Out of 32 Not in a great his prospect system. pipeline uh, series that he's been running over the course of this month, but still a, a number one prospect uh, and, and like, uh, a guy that people have some expectations for uh, in the NHL. Uh, let's welcome in the guy who usually hosts this show, Bick Nazar. How, how's your vacation, Bick? I just want to take a day off, man. <laughs> just, just try to take a day off. We were joking about this on Friday. We were like, man, yeah. Bo Horvat's definitely getting traded on Monday because he took the day off. This is like the fourth time this has happened, too. Like, I went away 
and Jim Benning got extended, Erica Branson got extended, and time and time again, this happened. So if, if we want the Canucks to, like, win the lottery, I'll just, like, I'll take that week off. It's cool. <laughs> okay, well, this is obviously a scenario that you've talked about on this show a ton uh, over the last few weeks, the last few months. Now that this uh, the move's been made, we know what the return is. We're no longer talking about uh, leverage. We're no longer talking about timelines. What's, uh, what's your reaction to what the Canucks actually got back? Well, the reaction is, like, this felt inevitable for some time now. I, I know there was, you know, rumors of, opportunities to go back to the Horvat camp, but ultimately those always felt performative by me. And the, given the state of the team and how open Jim Rutherford and Patrick Levine have been about getting to this stage here of being 27th in the league, um, this felt inevitable. And this is more about, you know, building towards the future as much as you can retain a guy. We're talking about a 27 year old center and now it's not working and you have to change over what the club's future is. And there's a deadline here because the March 3rd and the contract ending, they had to do something. And you look at this return, I'm an Atu Ratu fan. Um, I know we went a little bit lower in the 21 draft that uh, a lot of people expected, but is it overwhelming? Like this thing changes everything for the organization remains to be seen, obviously, but now you give yourself more opportunities at a brighter future, certainly more service years uh, with a young player coming in. Obviously, he retains his ELC and RFA status as well. So a lot of time for this group that's harping on player development to work on a player that, you know, had some acclaim in the 2021 draft, but uh, was kind of viewed differently by others as well. Uh, by the way, the Canucks play the Islanders next week. Uh, so that, that'll that be fun. Um, on the road, though. On the road. On the road, not at home. Uh, yeah. What is your – so Anthony Beauvillier obviously isn't the biggest part of this trade. Do you – what like what are your hopes for Anthony Beauvillier in in Vancouver? Replace Connor Garland next year, I suppose. Like that was the immediate like thing that stuffed out to me is he looks eerily similar to Connor Garland. Now maybe like a bit more feistiness from Garland, but Anthony Beauvillier is like same size profile, same cap range, a little bit cheaper as well. And I just wonder if this means something for Connor Garland come the off season. Uh, you know whether it be trades or buyouts i just wonder if that means something for connor garland because they look a very like for like uh swap over here and also the the ability to get out of bovillier after a year because now he's going to become a rental target next season as well mm -hmm. that's an interesting uh, proposition as well for uh the connect so you know it, it just provides a bit more roster flexibility here moving forward that if they wanted to get out of a deal like that they still can as well so I, I don't look at this as like the end of the deal by any means. We'll have uh, plenty of time to to dig into this because the Canucks don't play for for a few days, and we'll we'll have some more idea uh, probably next week of of what this really will mean uh, short term. Uh, how how this will change the way that the Canucks are playing. We've heard Jim Rutherford and Patrick Alvin since uh, I guess the, the end of last season through the off season and and, and training camp about uh, wanting to play with more structure, wanting to play a little bit more defensively. Then Rick Tockett comes in and has now coached uh, a few games. With with this group, uh, Bo Horvat as uh, you know a mainstay, certainly not the the overall issue with where this team has been. But what do you expect now that this this move has been made? We're expecting a few more uh, in terms of maybe a shift in, in the way that the Canucks play. At the very least, like no matter what, it has to happen. Like this team just needs to improve 
playing more functional hockey. Too often it's become another term that's become in vogue here recently is river hockey. And it, it's, that's what they've leaned into. That's what they've been for three seasons now. And it was when you don't show signs of improvement and when we, we don't show that style is capable of winning, then things have to end. It, you know, we get caught up in the emotions of it all and players connecting with the community. That's fantastic. It's great. Obviously, ultimately this is about wins. This is about trying to get to a stage where you're winning championships. And some of it for a lot of players hasn't worked out and they're going to make some changes. And some of it has obviously like someone like JT Miller got rewarded for a contract and that's still much of the chagrin to a lot of people, but they, they needed to refresh what this, whatever this core was. And this is the first foray into that. Uh, so the first rounder part of this, uh, so it's top 12 protected for this season. Right now, based on points percentage, the Islanders would be picking 13th. To me, this is like the, the interesting part that doesn't seem to, I mean, it's super early, but hasn't been talked about too much. Like, it would be really nice to see the Islanders maybe fall down to the top to the top 12 in the draft and then have that pick pushed to next year. And like, I, I don't know. What's your, what's your take on the pick part of this? I, I don't know if there's a bad outcome here, right? Like if they finish, okay, if they finish 24th, okay, that's a bad outcome, but for where they are right now, like this is still going to be a, a tough run for the Islanders to even get into uh, the playoffs. Um, but if they finish 13th in the lottery or in, in, yeah, in the lottery, that's a fine outcome. That's tremendous. You, you bought yourself another 13th overall pick. If they get into the 12s, okay, then we, we carry over another year, and there's a really good chance that, that could be a top seven pick. But I think if they miss the playoffs, then this is a fantastic outcome. If they wind up and, and it goes down to, you know, uh, 24th or something like that, different story. But I, I still think it's going to be difficult for the Islanders to even make the playoffs right now. For a lot of people who maybe don't follow the team on a day-to-day basis, uh, the captain getting traded is is going to make headlines in this city beyond just the the average Canucks fan. Uh, taking that into context, Bick, uh, and looking at the the totality of Bo Horvat's tenure in Vancouver, what what do you think is the uh, is, I guess you know the, the summary of of his Canucks tenure, his captaincy, the the way the people in this market will will remember his time as a Canuck. It's, it's, it's such a difficult time that he actually took over, right? And I've kind of made this point here in the past five months that, like, the entry point of when Bo Horvat arrived was going to be very, very difficult because it was following Daniel and Henrik Sedin. Like, whoever the next captain was going to be, you're going to be compared to Henrik. And that's unfair at times. And I think Bo has done a remarkable job transitioning that and taking on that role. And yet, like, you have to recognize, like, how impossible that task was going to be. So I think from a public-facing point of view, like, unbelievable job, right? From a connecting to the community, obviously, given the emotions of what we've talked about over the past 18 months, two years, again, a unbelievable job. And in the, in the, the, the deck was stacked against him in some regards because you had to come in at the lowest point of a team's rebuild and you become the new face of what the future of the next era of the Vancouver Canucks can be. And when you had had a 10 year run of success that the Vancouver Canucks had had prior, it just felt like, okay, now you run it into the next group and that's how you integrate one era into the next one. So it was such a difficult task for him to come into. And I look at this moment where you're at now, and I I just kind of flash on a handful of memories over the past five years. And one that really stands out to me is like the, 
the COVID return game against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Now we were lucky to be in the building just because it's attending media, but that's one that kind of stands out along with the, the whole hoopla that I had to take on and Bo shouldering some of that as far as the COVID return to play and being one of the voices along with some others of we can't practice anymore. We have to stop this and force him to delay and him scoring the goal coming back was also a monumental moment. So over the course of a tenure, like very difficult circumstance to be placed in. And he did such a great job in that. And ultimately like it, it's come to an end because uh, the team has not had a rough overall success uh, during his time here. Hey, Bick, really appreciate you taking the time. Enjoy uh, your vacation. I don't know if you're going to be working, but enjoy your vacation while it lasts. I, I, I'm around for quick phone calls. Okay, sounds <laughs> good. Have a good one. Thanks, buddy. Thanks. Uh, that is Bick Nazar, the normal host of The People Show, uh, joining the current host of The People Show, Josh Elliott Wolf and Israel Fair. So uh, I want to get into the text line a bit, 650-650. We've got a few questions about the All-Star game yep. part of this. I don't know if I don't know if we know what I what I would say would happen is he's going to play for the Pacific Division and just not have the Canucks logo on. I don't know what the scenario is. Yeah, and honestly, I think in the past it's been difficult if you switch leagues. But yeah, because they all have a balanced amount of players on them. Yeah, but uh, he'll obviously like from a contract standpoint still be recognized as an All Star and things like that. But I don't know about the game itself. Um, that'll be that'll be answered pretty soon. Like, uh, earlier today, uh, Chandler Stevenson was inserted into the game for for Maddie Beniers. Uh, th- there are still some. Uh, there's another player who uh, Tage Thompson is potentially not going to take part as well. Mm-hmm. So there's still some stuff up in the air in terms of players and their injuries. Not even taking into account uh, a guy that's been traded now outside, not just of division but outside of conference. Uh, the other part of it. So Bo was obviously. He was the captain here, and we got a lot of texts about who could be the next captain. I would say, without any knowledge at all, I would I would assume the Canucks are probably going to wait till the off season to to make a move on this. Um, and if I had to bet, it would be Elias Pettersson. But a lot of people texting in about JT Miller or Elias Pettersson, who gets a captaincy. Uh, we'll have to wait and see on that. Yeah, I mean, a lot, lot of people with Miller takes, and that those aren't new. Um, that there, there is obvious, there is a contingent of this fan base that thinks JT Miller is uh, the leader of this team. Uh, I think they're right in a lot of aspects. Uh, for me, the last, not even just the last few years, the whole time that he's been with the Canucks, he's been the emotional crux. I don't know if he's the emotional leader, but when he's good, the team tends to play well. When he is uh, having his more worse moments which has been a lot of this season the team tends not to play well uh the Elias Pettersson question is one about uh, the long term uh you know if, if that contract gets done to me that's that's the obvious one he should be uh, assuming that role uh, I think we've moved past the part of the conversation of whether or not it's a good idea to put him in that position um I think he's ready for it yeah if like he, if he gets if it. yeah if he if that's something that he's interested in and there are very few players like, you know, Connor McDavid is not someone who's particularly uh, charismatic in front of the cam- cameras, has a lot to say, but he's been the captain role for, for Edmonton because he is their best player and uh, I think takes pride in that. Like, the, the, you, I don't, you don't hear players necessarily, especially in the game today, not wanting that opportunity. So I would imagine if Elias Patterson is going to be in Vancouver long term, he's, he's the obvious choice. Uh, for sure. And, and 
again, I, I mentioned it with Bick, so I want to get into kind of the uh, pick part of this. And we'll, we'll talk to Ian McIntyre on the other side as well, Sportsnet's uh, Canucks analyst. Uh, but just to, like, real quick go through the standings. So the Islanders have 55 points in 52 games. They're 19th right now. Uh, a lot of the teams around them have games in hand on them. So I do wonder... And look, Horvat's going to help them. I just wonder if they might potentially slide down the standings or not gain that much. And so either that pick would slide to next year or it would be somewhere in the teens, I would assume. Uh, but we'll have to wait and see on that. We are going to talk to Sportsnet's Ian McIntyre. On the other side, it is The People Show with Josh Elliott Wolf and Israel Fair on Sportsnet 650. it is the people show josh elliott wolf israel fair we're breaking down some news breaking news bo horvat has been traded to the new york islanders for anthony bovillier atu ratu and a protected 2023 first round pick to talk more about this we welcome in sportsnet's ian mcintyre ian how's it going well, uh, it's quite busy, it <laughs> turns out. It was quite quiet until uh, half an hour or so ago, but yeah. At least the uh, at least this part of the craziness is, is over for now for, for Bo Horvat. So I'm happy for, I'm happy for him because I know this this had taken uh, more of a toll on on mostly on his on his family and you know the uncertainty not knowing where he would be this has taken more of a toll than i think most people realize so at least uh at least that part of it is is ending for him and he's starting a new chapter as are the canucks ian early reaction to the trade uh, on twitter in, in our text box here is uh, a bit split but i would say leaning toward uh relatively optimistic or relatively positive about uh the return what's what's your read on what the canucks got back for horbet well, we, we never know in these situations what what uh, was asked for. What what was the dream return for Patrick Alvine and Jim Rutherford? But on the surface, uh, when you look at it, they're getting in Anthony Beauvillier, uh, a very good NHL player, a solid NHL player who has some versatility, is is going to help them right away. They get uh, an A-grade uh, prospect in Raddy, uh, who I don't know much about, but I'm reading about him uh, along with a lot of others right now on on Twitter. And and you know he has had games with the Islanders, but he's a very good prospect. And they're getting a draft pick, so the Ducks have checked the 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 boxes on on what they set out for, which was a player now, a really good prospect to to develop. And, and a draft pick. They're, they're getting the components that they want. We don't know who else they might have spoken with, what else they might have asked for, but it does seem on the surface, as far as a return, that, that they've, they've made a solid trade here for Horvat. So is this kind of the, the value you were expecting when all this Horvat trade came up or trade talks came up? Because I, I think a lot of people were 
looking at some other teams. I know Brandon Carlo's name had come up. Like, were you are you surprised? I guess to not see a defenseman coming back in this trade. No, not necessarily. I think I think with with Horvat going out, I, I think probably their top priority was to to get a center back. I think they. I think Rutherford said that at one point as well, young center. Maybe it was just reported that way. So I think the center was their top need because with with Horvat gone and, and Miller has been between the wing and the center, he's going to be a center now for the Canucks. Uh, but there, there's a need there. So, uh, yeah, it would, have been, it would have been great if within those three boxes that they checked that, that one of those players was a right defenseman. But um, I'm not. I'm not surprised. I I would have been more surprised had they not addressed their need at center in the trade. The Canucks have a, a pretty long history of uh, fraught emotional trades. Bo Horvat was a Canuck for a long time. He was the captain for the last number of years. Uh, where do, where do you place this one in in that hierarchy of uh, difficult trades, players that have been here for a long time, and uh, in this case, the context of uh, no, no long-term contract, no long-term commitment, and ultimately a trade for Bo Horvat when uh, he had been here for a long time. He had done a lot of the good things that people expected from him in that position as captain. Uh, obviously, this season, he's been on an incredible offensive pace. Uh, I think for a lot of fans, that's even if they think the return is, is good, uh, that it's still quite a bit to, to process. It's it's a big change for for this group. Yeah, it's it's really it's their biggest trade this century. And you know, Ryan Kessler was was a big trade, but that was that was done in the off season, and that was done with a gun pointed to their head. You know, that Kessler wanted out in the same way that Pavel Burry had wanted out uh, at, at the end of the 1990s, and and Burry in fact had walked out on a contract. So people could see that trade coming they were waiting for that trade uh, and prepared for it uh, really you'd have to go back and in, in terms of a, a mid-season trade uh, probably the Trevor Linden trade uh, but that one had real shock value to it even so Mike Keenan had uh, had his hands on the launch codes for a little while in Vancouver and we could see which way it was going it was still you know such an emotional uh, trade, a, a change in direction for the Canucks. Uh, this could have rivaled that had we not basically seen this coming since since the season started. Um, but it's it's a huge trade, uh, one way or another. It's going to be uh, a, a transaction that defines Patrick Alvin and whatever the whatever the Canucks are going to become. It was a trade that I've said many times they had to get right, however long that took. And, uh, you know, the fact that they're doing this more than a month uh, before the trading deadline suggests that they, they got what they were looking for. But it's a, it's a massive, massive deal for the organization. And it is a change. When you're, when you're trading a guy who has played every NHL game that he's played for the same organization – has has been around for uh, almost a decade and has been has been your captain and and succeeded Henrik Sedin as your captain it's it's a massive day for the organization hey Ian uh, really appreciate appreciate you taking the time have a good one 
All right, guys. Uh, keep busy with something. Yeah, we'll try. <laughs> Thanks, we will Matt. try. Uh, that is Sportsnet's Ian McIntyre joining us to help break down the trade. He was a presentation of Avenue Machinery and Douglas Lake Equipment, your Kubota all-star team, avenuemachinery.ca, douglaslake.com. Um, so back into the 650-650 Dunbar Lumber text line. Uh, this one, so Torgi, I don't see the Islanders slide, but I could st- see them saying staying neutral. Bo will be their leading scorer. So that's kind of the part of it to me. Like, I get the Islanders are trying to push for the playoffs and they're trying to do all this, but to be completely honest, like, I don't get it for them. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, I'm I'm really curious what we'll hear from their side from the evaluation of Bo Horvat because uh, Lou Lamorello is famously very detail-oriented. And Bo Horvat, the perception, I think, around the league is that he is more of a two-way player. He has that defensive pedigree. And the numbers don't really bear that out. He is an offensive player who is a goal-first center. He can score. He scores on the power play. He's quite effective on the power play. And at five-on-five, can score enough and not get completely caved in defensively where he's been on some effective lines. And if their idea, and we, we talked to Greg Wyshynski earlier in the show where he looks at Matt Barzal as possibly uh, the guy that would be better suited as the second best player on the line and said the same about Bo Horvat, but the Islanders have both of those guys. And look, we know that Barzal's flashier than Horvat. He's got the ability to make highlight real plays and, there's a sense that if he was on a different team, if he wasn't playing within the Islanders structure, that maybe he would pop a little bit more. I think there's some give and take there, though. I don't think that's necessarily true. I don't think if you, oh, well, you go put him in Toronto, um, yes, he would have great players to play next to, but I don't know if that's necessarily like, well, then, yeah, of course, he's playing with someone like Austin Matthews or William Nylander or, or Mitch Marner. Uh, there, there's some pluses there. On the island, they don't have quite the help. Though, if they are trying to get a boost here, Bo Horvat will certainly give them a boost on the power play. They've been in a really interesting spot since they were those back-to-back conference finals teams where it's it's not clear what, what the path is there. And I think there's, there's probably a reason that the Canucks felt pretty comfortable making this move given what the first-round pick coming back in top 12 protected this year um, would either would give them, you know, let's say a, a pick in the teens, or potentially, if it ends up being a pick in the top twelve, uh, a, a higher pick in twenty twenty four, because it's hard to it's hard to put the Islanders in the group that we we're talking about before the trade was made. What if they make a trade with a team like Detroit? What if they make a, t- a trade with a team like the Kraken? Uh, those those teams are, are look like they're they're going to be on the way up. The Boston Bruins were another team we're talking about. Certainly this year, that pick's not going to be very high. And you wouldn't think that if Bo Horvat was going to Boston and going to stay there, that that's a team that's looking to rebuild. The Islanders were on that short list of teams that are a bit in the murky middle, somewhere the Canucks are trying to to avoid, trying to get out of. Uh, We'll see what the next moves are. But I think all things considered, given what was out there from our understanding and the way that these packages are, are sort of broken out. I think I'm, I'm with the people who are, you know, cautiously optimistic about what they got back. Yeah, I agree with that. The, that's the, the thing we were talking about funny enough before the Horvat deal happened was like trying to find more potential than you might initially see in a deal. 
And a big part of that for me in this trade is the pick. Because, look, I, I feel like you were probably getting a similar package from any other team, whether it be Boston, Detroit, or Seattle, and any other team that may have found their way into the conversation. Like, you were getting a team's best prospect or one of their best prospects, depending on who they have. For the Islanders, that was Ratu. For other, t- for for Boston, that would have been like Fabian Lysel. Um, you were getting a right. roster player. Yep. But then the potential in the pick with the Islanders, I think, is the biggest. And that's when, that's when you look at potential options to accelerate a rebuild or try to take a trade that was maybe a single or a double and turn it into a home run. Because if the Islanders slide into the bottom 12 this year, which, look, I do think Horvat's going to keep them around where they are. I would say this pick is going to be in the teens. But that's still way better than, like, 31st or 32nd, like you would have gotten for Boston if they made the final or somewhere in the late 20s if they didn't. Uh, Detroit would have been a next-year pick that, like, they are expecting to take a step. And uh, same with Seattle. Like, they look like they're a team that probably isn't going to fall off next year. Whereas the Islanders look like a team, to your point, that aren't on the upswing. They're they're maybe trending down, if anything. Their guys are getting older. I can't see them being incredibly better next year unless they find another way to add someone else. Yeah, for sure. And, like, uh, I guess on a personal front, uh, Bohorvat's by all accounts, going to be taken care of with the contract. The, the the early word, you know, talking to Elliot Friedman earlier in the show is that this is not uh, this is not a short term thing. It would be stunning at this point that uh, let's say the Islanders go on a bit of a slide coming out of the All Star break. That uh, he's flipped again before the deadline. That there seems to be some real long term roots here with the idea of trading for for Bo Horvat and making him um, part of the foundation that they're they're trying to have with the with the islanders uh, now where the canucks are at is is obviously gonna the lineup's gonna look uh, really different i think the deployment's gonna be quite different ian mcintyre just said look like this means jt miller for the rest of this season is going to be a center we saw that work last year um it has not worked so far this season i have my thoughts that uh, I, I like him more uh from a utility perspective playing on the wing in the top six but the Canucks are in a place here where they, they have to try some some things. Uh, he has the ability to play center. So if that's the high upside play and he can actually do it within this structure that's now supposed to be implemented by, by Rick Tockett and Rick Tockett's coaching staff, uh, the strides that those players make, the strides that we're going to see in the lineup here are going to be pretty fascinating, especially with you know a guy like, like Mikhaev not being, being out for the season now. There, there's going to be... There's a lot of minutes to fill here, and that's yeah. where a guy like Beauvillier, does he get an opportunity to play next to Elias Pettersson, see what that looks like. Uh, no no real long-term commitment, no idea that this is a guy that's going to be part of the core moving forward, but a, a lottery ticket in the way that not a huge ticket for you know, certainly going to be making less next season than, than what the Canucks would have had to pay Bo Horvat. Uh, So a few notes to pass your way. Canucks GM Patrick Alvine will speak to the media at 5.30. I do believe Canucks Central will be carrying that live. Uh, Also, we'll try to pass this audio along to you. Bo Horvat and Lou Lamorello are speaking to the media at 4 o'clock our time. Uh, Might not be live, but we will uh, try to get that audio to you when it is available. 
Uh, the other part of this, so we get some texts about this, and and I, it, it was brought up by someone. Uh, does Anthony Beauvillier have value for the Canucks to flip? That's been a text. That one's from Keith. We've seen it from a few people on the Dunbar Lumber text line. I do wonder, like, he's going to score more in Vancouver, I would I would assume. Like, I, I think he's going to be playing with higher-end line mates, and it's just a system that maybe benefits it more. And maybe not with Taka at the helm now, but I still do think they're going to give him chances to succeed. So a couple things could happen. It could be what Bick mentioned with maybe being a potential Connor Garland replacement if they're set on moving him in the offseason. Or it could be, hey, you rebuild this value in a guy. Maybe next season isn't going that well. And then you have another piece to flip at next year's deadline. Won't get as much as like a, a bigger name, but maybe that's another pick in your pocket in the future as well. Yeah, I think that's uh, you know where NBA teams, uh, that, that, that's kind of the currency that you see a lot in that mm-hmm. league where you're flipping players. When you're, when you're in the position that the Canucks are in, which is not contending, but you've got some interesting pieces – you try to keep the assets, you know, as alive, I guess, as they would be. And like Bo Horvat was heading toward the the peak of his value because you're running out of time uh, with the contract. You have to move him before March three because you're going to lose him in free agency. And Beauvillier is, is not the player that Bo Horvat is. He probably will never have the impact. Uh, whether it, it like if it works out in Vancouver, he still won't be a, a Bo Horvat level impact player. But it gives a little bit of that flexibility. It gives a little bit of uh, gives them some options if, if things work out. If if play, if the, the the team doesn't take the step to have uh, a player who's been in the league for a few years, but it's not. I think the fear that people had was that this trade was going to be made and a player like him was going to be the centerpiece. Yeah, that it was going to be that 25 year old player that can step in now because we've seen him play in the playoffs. We've seen him play on some good teams and put up points. Um, that's not the case here. Uh, it's a, it's a you know, best case scenario if it works out here and they figure something out. And um, the, the floor is quite high because I, I would imagine there would be some value in him if he, if he just stays steady or maybe a little bit better than what he's been with the Islanders this year. There, there's going to be some value in that player. He's definitively the third piece in this trade. And I mentioned it a couple times. It definitely seems like the piece that the cap is so tight for every team in the NHL right now. It had to, they had to have a contract coming back. There is the one year of extra term, which uh, might not be super Canucks fans might not be super high on that, but it is only one year. And again, it is a piece that you can maybe see as a reclamation project uh, moving forward. I have seen some texts about this uh, saying that the Islanders could flip Horvat by the deadline if they completely spiral. I don't think that's happening. It like, just seems unlikely. Yeah, we never see that happen. And Elliot mentioned that it does seem like a long-term fit for Horvat in New York. Like, Lou Lamorello has made no he, – he's not shy about showing that he is trying to make his team better as fast as possible. Mm-hmm. And it might be to the Islanders' detriment most of the time. Yeah, I mean, we had this conversation with JT Miller in the summer. Uh, yeah. Was what, what, What's the fit there? This is a guy, and he was coming off – of a career best season. Horvat's in the midst of a career best season. Uh, Horvat's a little bit younger, but 
I think it's a pretty similar conversation. We're still getting quite a few texts about the All-Star game. Uh, Greg Wyshynski tweeted a few minutes ago that the league doesn't know <laughs> what, <laughs> yeah. what to do. The league was one. not expecting the trade. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I guess they don't listen to Sportsnet 650. <laughs> no, we were talking about it before it happened. <laughs> um, yeah, so the All-Star game thing, it's like, it, honestly, they'll figure it out. He's, I would say he's probably going to play, but who knows what team he's going to play for. He'll probably be there. Yeah, I assume that he'll be there if he's not playing or not. I, like, I remember in baseball, uh, Jeff Samarja got traded. This is like 10 years ago. I think he went from the Cubs to the A's, so he switched leagues. And he was at the game, but I don't think was going to play. I don't think he played hmm. for the American League because he'd made it as the National League. It, it, that was also when home field was still decided yeah, by right. the game. Now they might not care. And the same with this, hypothetically. Uh, but that'll be uh that'll be up to the league and their decision makers you know the nhl they like to they like to work quick on these things (laughs) yeah uh so the other part of this is how are we going to like remember bo horvat as vancouver canuck because he was obviously the canuck or the captain of a really weird period in canucks history for sure so like it's hard to he'll be memorable for sure but it's like i can't even Think of what era I would call this, like the bubble era. Yeah, it's like it's such a it's the longest transition era in the history of transitions. I thought Bick put it appropriately by saying, you know, the entry point for Bo was pretty difficult. He was uh, a high pick at a time where uh, the Canucks had had a long stretch of either trading their first round pick or not getting much from their first round pick. Then he he comes into the NHL pretty early on uh, after being drafted in 2013. And showed that pro- that progress year after year. He was the kind of guy that was getting better, that was developing his game. And the thought was he will be one of the leaders for the future. But things definitely stagnated there. And the Sedins were, you know, there was the thought of trying to get the Sedins an- another run. And-, and those timelines didn't really match up. The Canucks are bad. They get more high picks. Uh, some of them really hit in, in Pedersen in Hughes and then Horvat was supposed to be the guy who had gone through that difficult time post Sedin or with the Sedins bring that Sedin era with yeah like be the be the guy that was hey I I I have at least you know rubbed shoulders with these guys and I I understand what the standard is supposed to be and I think for uh like a public facing captain uh he absolutely nailed that part of the job he was uh I think very accessible very available honest spoke to the market uh was clearly getting frustrated uh with the situation with the team not winning and that's something that i think was extremely relatable uh and as a player look he had some i think there will be some fond memories of some of the bigger moments uh you look i think that the st louis series in the bubble that was one where people thought that was you know him reaching another level and in some ways it was and this season has been uh, kind of weird because it's been tinged by the thought that he's going to get moved. He's scoring all of these goals and it hasn't just been a full celebration. It's been wondering, well, has he priced himself out for this team? Uh, what are they going to be able to get back for, for him in a trade? And now that that's played out, I think people are going to be able to take a deep breath and look at 10 years of, uh, you know, a guy who gave a lot, a lot for this organization. Definitely. Uh, and just to go full circle on this, we've gotten a lot of texts about this as well. The Canucks acquired Bo Horvat via the New Jersey Devils' ninth overall pick, mm-hmm. which was traded for Corey Schneider 
by Lou Lamorello. Full circle. Who now acquires Bo Horvat. <laughs> what a what a world. Uh Canuck Central is going to be coming up next on Sportsnet 650. Dan Riccio, Satyar Shaw going to be breaking down this trade. You will hear from uh, GM Patrick Alvin at 5.30 speaking to the media about the Horvat trade. Uh, again, just to reiterate what the deal is, Bo Horvat traded to the Islanders for Anthony Beauvillier. Atu Ratu. It's not Ratti, by the way. Atu Ratu. Let's get used to that now. A protected... First round pick this year, top 12. If it's in there for the Islanders, it slides to an unprotected pick next year. That is the deal for Bo Horvat. Connect Central coming up next. This has been The People Show. Thanks to Dom Costa, Victor. Thanks to my co-host, Israel Fair. I am Josh Elliott-Wolf. This has been The People Show on Sportsnet 650.